Hello and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. My name is Patrick and I am your host. And on this episode, I got an opportunity to talk to Scotty and Ernie Lechuga. Uh, but before we get to that show, uh, I kind of need to set the stage for this episode a little bit. Hopefully you listened to the last episode and all of this will make a little bit more sense. But if you didn't, here's a quick recap. Fayetteville is going to be hosting the start and finish line of the Arkansas High Country race, and they hired me to promote and cover the race this year. And and part of that was that they invited me up to come and ride uh, part of the route. So we started there in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and uh, that's what we talked about on the last episode. So you might want to go check that one out. Um, but on the way there, Brandon Pack, who works there at Fayetteville, he said, hey, you should um, swing by and talk to Scotty and Ernie Lechuga. Uh, They're there in Little Rock, and they have the FKT, or the fastest known time, for the Arkansas High Country race um, that they set as a couple. So he's like, yeah, you know, you should go talk to them on the way and get a get a feel for what you're in for and uh, and just, you know, chat with them about, about the route and stuff. That's how I went into this episode. I didn't do any research on them. I should have. I was just busy getting, you know, work and family and all that stuff uh, situated before I went on a trip, as one does. And I kind of just went into this episode blind and was really blindsided by their story. Um, I'm not going to, you know, get into the whole thing right now, but they have an amazing story. Uh, they're both ex pro racers turned bike packers. And it's, I was just floored. I had so many questions. I had no idea what I was walking into, but you know, on some level, it's good to walk into an interview prepared and know who you're talking to and be able to ask all the right questions. I definitely see how that's good, but I also like talking to somebody and finding out just this incredible story that you didn't know and then having very real and genuine reactions to that, you know? And so um, there's kind of a delicate balance there, but I will say that this is probably one of my personal favorite episodes uh, just because of how it really was a dynamic of going in completely blind thinking I'm going to be talking about one thing and then realizing that there's just so much more here to talk about. I was like a kid in the candy store. I just wanted to, I could have talked to them all day. Um, so this one is a little bit longer, but I hope that y'all enjoy it as much as I did. So like I said, this, uh, this episode was actually recorded before the one that I just released about the Arkansas High Country race. Uh, we wanted to get that episode out with all the information about the route and registration and all the details uh, before registration opened. And it opened on the 15th. And I'm happy to say that there are only 24 spots left. It'd be awesome if it was sold out right now, but that just means that there's an opportunity for you to get in on the action. If you have been looking for a way to challenge yourself uh, in a beautiful place, then this is a great opportunity. I'm going to be back there in June. The race kicks off on June 4th. I will be there a few days before 
conducting some interviews, just hanging out. And of course, I'm going to ride out on the start line uh, and give a proper send off. Really just looking forward to hanging out with a bunch of cool people and uh, being a little bit jealous that I won't be able to be out there riding with you the whole time. But I'm excited to do some interviews and uh, get to talk with some of y'all one on one. The easiest way to register is to go to the Arkansas High Country Races Facebook page. And there is a link there to registration. Like I said, there's only 24 spots left. So go sign up and I will see you there at the start and finish line in Fayetteville. All right, just a couple of housekeeping notes. This episode just kind of starts in a in the middle of a conversation that we were having. thought it was kind of funny, so I left it in. Um, and there is a point in the episode where somehow uh, it stopped recording. So I didn't miss anything, but uh, we just stopped recording for a second and it kind of got us off our rhythm a little bit. But, um, you know, things happen. So sorry about that. And uh, that's it. Let's get to the show. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your boss, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. I don't, I don't remember how probably alcohol was involved and I yeah, it somehow thought that I would It softens to, you up for things to yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I have great ideas when I'm drinking. <laughs> exactly. And so it led to a podcast and it's it's been going really well. That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, if y'all are ready, I'm ready. Yeah, I think good we're good to go. Good to go. Okay. Uh, first off, uh, Scotty and Ernie, what are your last names? Lechuga. Lechuga. Yeah, so it means lettuce, right? Perfect. Yeah, it means, uh, yeah, my grandpa was a farmer, and I, I'm just kidding. No, he didn't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> he Lechuga. was from Mexico. No, he was from Mexico, <laughs> a Mexican farmer. Right? kind of goes together. It worked pretty well. Either that or it's going to be like Ernie Sheet Wall or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, Ernie Lechuga. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Lechuga. Was that a Mexican joke? Did you just tell It was. Mexican like joke? Everybody tells me, hey, come here, you gardener, or... Are you working on, can you work on my drywall or <laughs> all the time? It doesn't stop. Oh, you're like, this is why I live in a bus. So exactly. I don't have to worry about no drywall and, and mowing a yard. Do, yeah. You figured no it out. <laughs> no drywall. <laughs> no drywall. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't do any of it either. <laughs> all right. Now I, it's La, Lechuga. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, As Kelly puts it, where uh, Kelly is our the, the Trek store manager and he's like, He's the lettuce man. Like, I'm just going to put lettuce on everything. I'm like, okay, whatever. So now all our passwords are, are, are not our passwords, but our usernames. usernames are like Ernie Lettuce. And I'm like, I was like, yeah, let's get your password on audio <laughs> real quick. Not Good password. Not Social password. security number, bank account. <laughs> exactly. Social, everything. All right. Well, Bikes for Death is on the road. Today I am in Little Rock, Arkansas, sitting down with Ernie and Scotty Lechuga. Yes, you got it. All right. It means lettuce. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to call you Ernie and Scotty Lettuce. I guess everybody I, else does. Exactly. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> Where are we right now, Ernie? 
So we are in uh, Trek Little Rock, um, Trek Little Rock uh, bike shop. Um, they just actually they just bought uh, this bike shop that's been around forever, Chainwheel, uh, and Trek just uh, took it over about uh, what six months, three yeah. months ago. Yeah, less than half a year. So, how long have you guys been living in Arkansas? Oh, over a decade. Neither of us grew up here, but we kind of met in the middle. He's from L.A. Well, actually, he's from Mexico originally, but uh, moved to L.A. when he was 10. And I grew up on the East Coast in North Carolina. And uh, both of us found jobs here. Oddly enough, both of us ride bikes as well. And so we kind of uh, met through this very place that we're sitting in right now. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. She walked in the door and she's like, I want to turn pro. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Like, do you have a bike? He's like, yes, my dad's like 1975 Schwinn bike. And I was like, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> when <laughs> that is not when was cut this? It. This was in probably 2007 or 2008. Um, I moved here just after college, missed being an athlete. I grew up being a runner and got sideswiped with injuries. And um, I really wanted to compete in cycling, I decided, because that was way easier on your legs. And... He was the only person I could find in Arkansas who had raced professionally on the road. Hmm. And so I sought him down like with a target <laughs> and came and found him. You're and mine, bitch. Literally just said. Um, <laughs> you can cuss. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, ask him to coach me and, and literally had a down tube shifter bike at the time. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, so why go from not a cyclist yeah to i want to be pro i'd always wanted to be an athlete even as a little girl i remember just watching the olympic games and and thinking to myself man i just i want to be an athlete i love that lifestyle and um so i i thought it would be running for the longest time and had a really successful running if you want to call it career as a teenager and um actually that's why i went to baylor was to run for the school there and um, I had a major back surgery when I was 17, and I just got, um, you know, benched for a whole year recovering from that and uh, never really quite got it back after that and ended up redshirting my whole freshman year and then just deciding that it, it wasn't the experience that I was really after. Yeah. So I took a step back from sports altogether and um, a few years later just really missed it, missed the community, missed the the drive and like just the, um, the ability to push yourself on a daily basis and training, all that stuff. And so, um, I pulled my dad's old bicycle out of the garage and I think I put some new tubes in it and showed up at a group ride in tennis shoes and like those Umbro shorts, remember yes. from like oh, the nineties? Yeah. <laughs> I remember them very well. <laughs> We're the same age. I can tell. <laughs> and I got the cold shoulder from just about everybody in their Lycra and, All the pro and clip-in shoes. Um, <laughs> they're like, you're here for this group ride? And yeah. I said, yeah. And they dropped me within two miles. Um, and that was when I knew, like, I want to do this. For some reason, that just was the kick in the ass that I needed. Um, yeah. Seeing, so, like, how bad you were. Yeah, like, in I was comparison, like, wow, I have so much to learn. I, did, I'm was in. there a part of you that wanted to, like, show up in your umbros and, like, kick all their asses? I really, I knew so little at the time that it, was, it wasn't until I got to that group ride that I, I started noticing things, <laughs> like... Oh, wow. Oh, I don't belong here. <laughs> connect to their pedals. These were things that I didn't even, I didn't grow up watching cycling. Yeah. I had no idea what I was getting into. 
Yeah. Um, but I just loved it. I loved it. Well, since we're on the topic, why don't we get your individual backgrounds in, I guess, road cycling. We can start mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just give us a little background on each of you. So um, I started riding when I was 10 and then I uh, did uh, one junior nationals, got on the national, on the U.S. national team, started traveling the country. And uh, back in the day, there was amazing uh, junior teams, right? There was a... Uh, and this like, is road? This is road. This is all road. Like, no off-road whatsoever. Mm. Like, I'm not an off-road kind of guy. I wasn't <laughs> at the time. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I got the bug, right? Because I won junior nationals, got on this uh, junior team, um, and we just started traveling the country. There was probably six junior stage races across the country that were uh that were pretty big like you would have 150 juniors back in the day that were going to you know 13 14 15 16 17 18s um and they were the fields were stacked you know that's back when like george hinkepi days and how uh, when he was growing up um so there was plenty of juniors uh to uh to go around and and be really competitive and plenty of stage races you know to do that in so uh Got the bug there, started traveling, uh, went to Mexico, uh, got on the Mexican national team, and then they said, hey, you need to stay here. We're going to take you to the world championships. You know, you're, you know, you're pretty decent. So I got to go to the worlds for Mexico. Um, uh, then I came back to the United States, got on a, uh, Danny Van Hout, which is the guy that ran, ran uh, Jelly Belly for the longest time. Okay. He's like, hey, you need to come on board. You know, I'm going to start this, you know, this under 23 development program and i think you would be great at it so it was called mrs t's lexus back in the day <laughs> before jelly belly um so my like, great so i got on that and got on his team same thing just traveling love loved it just because you're on the road all the time um the uh and you know i guess i was okay at it where you know it kept me uh he's being super humble yeah <laughs> tell us the truth he's a great cyclist so yeah so so anyways uh, what's your what's your Especially a climber, sprinter. Well, I, you know, I'm not a huge roadie. I know time trial little, champion. Time so, trial champion. Yeah, well, I want, yeah, but I wasn't very good time trial. It was just, oh, he's yeah. just a champion. All right. Oh, okay. I was one. I won time trial national champions for Mexico, but I never like when I came to the when I did it in the U.S. I just didn't focus enough. I wanted to be everything, and because I wanted to be everything, I wasn't good at any good oh, at okay. anything. Yeah. So I was just okay at everything. Right, uh, and that's kind of you were the solid guy in the group. I was, yeah. What do you need? Like, get a bottle. I'll go get the bottle. You mean yeah. to chase that guy down? I'll chase that guy down. You need me to be in the front all day. I'll get in the front all day. Yeah. I don't care. Okay. Okay. So, and you know, I think at, at the time, now looking back, I was just probably scared of pushing for myself, and that was my crutch of like, all right, I'm gonna beat myself up, help everybody else, and uh, and I was like, damn it, why wasn't I there at the end? And I should have been there at the end. It's like, no, you didn't. You couldn't have been there. You did all the work. You did. You brought bottles. You took everybody. So, yeah. um, you but gotta be a little more selfish. Exactly. You know, and and I'm not very good at being selfish. So, well, there's um, worse qualities to have. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so yeah. So that's why I was trying to be good at everything, um, and I wasn't very good at anything. So I just pretty average. Uh, so, turned pro with Jelly Belly. Raced with them for a bit. Then I got to. Uh, I got to get on a bigger team, which was Mercury Cycling Team, which was like this. That was like the competition to U.S. Postal back in the day, U.S. Postal Team yeah. Lance Armstrong. So there was another American team called, uh, yeah, sponsored by Mercury, and I got to go to the under twenty-five Tour de France, Tour de Lavenir, uh, 
and then I crashed. I got cancer, uh, and then uh, so stopped for like a year and a half, kind of taking care of that, and then came back, and then went back to tour eleven year. So, uh, and then after that, Tony Carklins offered me a, a job here with Arbea. Mm. Uh, and I just came came to town, and I you know I was here. So that's kind of my in doing what with Orbea. Uh, the goal was to be uh, inside sales for South America. Um, Tony wanted to take over South America, gotcha. but at the time, you know, U.S. was U.S. and then South America would be something different. And Tony wanted to be able to take up you know U.S. and South America. So that never happened, and that's how I ended up here at this bike shop. Tony was an owner of Chainwheel, and. Uh, he asked me if I had any retail experience, uh, and I was like, no idea how to sell a bicycle. <laughs> I'm good at riding. Whatsoever. I can ride them. <laughs> I don't know how to speak English either, so <laughs> at the time. So uh, my vocabulary was very small. Uh, it still is. Um, so uh, so he put me here to work, get some retail experience, and he's like, okay, in about a year, I want you to come back and, you know, sell bikes, you know, for me at Forbea and after the year went up, I mean, I just love being around people. You know, I love teach them, uh, teaching them what I learned on the road. Yeah. Uh, so I just I loved retail, and I just stayed here. You know, just kind of sharing that wealth. What? So what was the thing that precipitated you from stepping away from pro cycling, and and taking obviously like a different career path? So, uh, yeah. So it was the same thing, right? I I think uh, I wasn't. You know, I was scared of success, I guess. I was scared to take that next step and just, you know, focusing on one particular thing, yeah. right? You know, I think if I would have, fo- when I focused on time trials, I won junior na- and I won the, you know, under 23 national champions at time trial. But it's just, I didn't. Uh, and at the time I had this coach in Mexico and I lived with him for a bit. Uh, and he helped me kind of get focused and we just trained for that specific discipline. And then I think I got scared. It hurt too much. <laughs> just do one discipline, right? And I just I stepped away. Uh, so I believe that it was, you know, me just not having that that mentality. Like, mm. you know, I wanted to be good at everything, and I was not good at anything. So as you're talking, I mean, does it does it bother you? Is this something that it, like weighs on you a little bit? It, it really does. I mean, it does because um, if I knew now, yeah. You know, if I knew, you know, then when I know now, I think it would be a, I would be a completely different person, right? Well, that's interesting. We'll, we'll talk about this in a little while, but I'm wondering how much of that is, is pushing you now because, uh, you know, this is a bikepacking-centric podcast. And so far, yeah. we're talking about road cycling. Everybody's like, wait a second. I know. Sorry. <laughs> when yeah, are we you know. <laughs> no, it's yeah. I asked the question. <laughs> uh, when are we going to talk about bikepacking? <laughs> yeah. No. But no, no, I mean, that's I, I, that's fascinating. I mean, it, the road cycling is a, is a world that I've watched the Tour de France and, yeah. you know, some California tours and, um, and stuff like that, you know. So um, I don't have a lot of background uh, in road cycling, yeah. understanding it. So I'm always... I like bikes, so I, you know whatever it is, road, gravel. Let's let's do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, oh, what no, about you? Sco- oh, yeah, sorry. sorry. No, was good, that yeah. a good? Was that good? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good with yeah. that. Yeah, Scotty, let's, well, let's the, hear Well, the cool thing little. is to segue. And, what, and what, yeah, I want to. At what point in his career yeah. and stuff did you run into him? Yeah. I'd like to kind of connect that it's, dot. It's pretty cool because, um, like he was just saying, he had, he had stepped away by the time I met him, but was still really active in the cycling community. But um, when I met him, the cool thing is I think he saw in me, you know, he saw some potential and basically the mentor that he wished he had, he became for me. 
And so um, this guy like accelerated my learning curve so, so far because he just thought of what he wished someone had given him as he was developing and he really poured all that into my career. Yeah. So when I told him I wanted to turn professional, um, yeah, he he just trusted blindly. Like, I don't know what he saw, but um, he he legs. said, hey, guess what? If you can stay the on my legs. wheel. <laughs> I was looking at the legs and I said yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. He made me come on this like 40 mile ride, which is at the time way further than I'd ever gone and said, if you can stay on my wheel, I'll coach you. And uh, so uh, like yeah. he put me through this like ringer of a 40 mile ride and I bonked and had to drink a Coke, I think mid ride. And yeah, so she, it's funny because she was like, Hey, uh, so I, she first, she brought that bike and I was like, you can't ride that bike, your dad's <laughs> bike. So I'm going to let you borrow one of my bikes. And then, so I fit her that morning and she got on the bike and rode. We get to like midpoint, 20 something miles in and she, and I'm like, Hey, this is going to, I'm going to get you something that's going to help you. Right. So we stop at the gas station and I get her a Coke. He's like, oh, I don't drink Cokes. I'm too, I'm, yeah, it's not good for you to drink Cokes. And I was like, what are you, what planet are you from, girl? <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, just try this Coke. You're going to feel better as soon as you try it. She I'm tried it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was like my first ride with her ever. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I gave her the Coke and she's like, oh my God, I've been missing out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's when she knew you were the real deal. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, you got to go. Love it first sight. Next you gave her a chocolate milk for recovery and <laughs> yeah. it was like all over. <laughs> yeah. No, so no, um, that's kind of like this, that story really went down, but yeah. Um, yeah. And I haven't stopped drinking Coke since then, but um, <laughs> anyway, Ernie uh, basically agreed to coach me and um it was through that process. Like I started at a cat four at the time, just like every other female that wants to begin road racing. You know, I started at the beginning and I was kind of using it though, because I was, at the time I was training for triathlons and I needed someone to like paddle the, the canoe. Mm. Right. So, so you drown. Exactly. For so his I, open because swims. I don't know how to yeah. swim. Right. I, I don't know how to swim at all. Um, so I was like, Hey, I'll coach you. If you come, uh, paddle, paddle the canoe boat. with me so I don't die. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So she said, I tell her it was for all that, but in reality, you know, that we're on podcast and stuff, that's the real reason <laughs> Seems why. Seems like a good time to let Yeah, you got to tell everybody, you know, this way she doesn't slap you when you're like, what Breaking are you Breaking news about? on the Bikes for Death podcast. <laughs> exactly. Ernie was doing it for selfish reasons. <laughs> Scotty, what do you have to say about this? <laughs> Couples. Turn this into Jerry Springer I real quick. I still think I got the better end of that. Uh. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I started racing and I won't make this too dramatic but we we fell in love that year um we really had a lot in common just fell in love i don't know what else to say um <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> it happens it happens, yeah, it happens. <laughs> but um we were spending a lot of time together um decided to you know date each other and within a year uh, i think actually about a year later uh, i wound up pregnant imagine that she got go. pregnant i have no idea why yeah that's weird yeah, yeah no like you, we'll talk later yeah. exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. I need But some um, at the time, like I'd gone from a cat four to a cat two and I was feeling pretty good about, you know, my acceleration through through the first year of my, you know, trying to become a pro, which is what I had started out. And then I got pregnant and it was like, mm. yeah. um, was not planned. 
Um, and I didn't really even see myself having kids in the future. So I think was, she planned it. She wanted to keep me forever. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm keeping you forever, sucker. But um, and then you found that we found out we had twins. We're yeah. like, what? The? Yeah. Oh, those kids—they're twins. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I met I met their kids earlier, and I, I could tell they were close in age, but I didn't realize they were twins. So yeah. They, which ones are they? It's like so we've got one. Eli and Ethan, and the reason that you wouldn't think they were twins is one looks Mexican and one looks white one's a beaner and one's a white boy and so and one's about 20 pounds heavier than the other um yeah. and yeah when i found out i was having twins i just i thought my dreams of cycling were over yeah. i really did i thought yeah. you know i decided you know what i'm just gonna do mom and he was like you know a lot of moms still ride bikes after they have kids and i wouldn't mind supporting you if you still want to try it she was a really good cyclist so i didn't want her her dreams would go away just because she got pregnant because it was her fault. A supportive role, right? right? It was her fault. She got pregnant. I was like, hey, "I'll help you out." Yeah. you know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. So you uh, felt bad for her. I did. I was yeah. like, "Darn it, girl, what you doing?" Darn it, had a couple of kids. <laughs> <laughs> it was that damn drinking again, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame this on drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so and yeah, um, we have these two precious boys, and they're the light of my life. Of course, I mean, whoever knows me know that uh, knows that. I wouldn't change a minute of all that, even though it wasn't a planned deal. Yeah. But they've been a part of my journey. Um, and we just decided that when I started pursuing cycling again, that they were just going to come with us everywhere we went. And that was going to be how they grow up. And so literally when they're seven months old, I enter my first pro race and Ernie's got them in the back of a car in the caravan. So I'm feeding the kids a bottle. Right in the back yeah. in the caravan, and I have the another water bottle out the window with Scotty, and I was like, "God, it goes about three minutes up the road. Come on!" This is awesome. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So we made it a family affair from day one, and um, my cycling career, thanks to Ernie. I mean, he just he made me do all the things. I feel like a lot of girls they'll get really strong first, and then they'll learn pack skills. For me, I could I didn't have that strength. I'd just come off of a twin pregnancy. I weighed like seventy pounds seventy five pounds more than I do now. <laughs> so my body was not in shape, but he said, Hey, if I can teach you how to hide in a Peloton, if I can teach you how to be really comfortable with handling skills, you're gonna be able to hang in there, I promise. And so I was finishing like in the group with girls that were so far advanced than than me just Fitness because of one, what yeah. he was teaching me. And so, um, when the boys were a year old, I ended up getting on the U.S. national team. I got to go to Europe and race, and then I got my first pro contract and ended up racing for four of the best UCI teams in the U.S. So um, uh, I guess six years or so I was on the pro circuit. Wow. And when did that come to an end? Just this past, uh, I guess, 2018. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, just wow. recently. And um, I had some really great success. 2016 was probably my best season. Um, and that was the year that we bought our RV and decided we were going to just take the boys all over the country. Yeah, we sold our house, got, a, yeah. got an RV. and I have so many questions right now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm going to start with, <clears throat> so I, too, have had this crazy idea, um, being a father of mm -hmm. two girls, of, of distance learning, you know, learning on the road. I remember yeah. there's a podcast I listened to about a girl and I don't remember her name now, but she grew up uh, on the road and her parents were professional whitewater uh, kayakers. Wow. And, That's cool. And uh, she became one of the best in the world at age 14. Wow. And I listened to a podcast with her 
she's so well spoken spoken you know she had so much knowledge from living and from experiencing life yeah and i was like man there's there could be something there you know but i don't i'm I'm very very curious uh can you tell me about that experience and how that went and I, I I had a lot of, I I mean, I think I'm the same as any mom who has this dream. You, you kind of second guess yourself all the time. You're like, am I being too selfish by chasing my own dreams versus giving my kids the chance to do this or that? Um, for me, it was really important that my kids see me do that. That was how I justified it in my mind was, okay, they're going to witness their mom and their dad doing something they're really passionate about. And to the point that they're going to just drag us along with them. (laughs) And, you know, I think they ask me all the time. um, They'll see me doing a workout and sweating my brains off on the trainer. And they'll be like, was that hard? (laughs) And I'll tell them, yeah, you know what? It was hard, but I got through it. And and then they'll go try something Mm -hmm. that's hard for them. And that, to me, is just as valuable as them learning a math equation. Like It's a tough thing to do as a parent. I definitely sympathize with that struggle. I, I, I truly believe a certain element of selfishness is valuable in mm-hmm. that, you know, you have to take care of yourself. You need to be happy where you're at. Um, and, and I think from the kid's perspective, like listening to you talk, I'm thinking, man, what would the kid prefer that they're watching their parents do something that they love and they're excelling at, or even if they fail, but they're really just like pouring themselves into something mm-hmm. or they go and work an eight to five and, they're miserable yeah. and come home every yeah. day and they're like, Oh, this is Drained. the pits, you yeah. know, or whatever. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. So, yeah. And again, I, I for me, it goes back to, uh, I mean, I grew up, uh, my mom and dad, like they did everything for me. Right. And like, and I was like, man, if whenever I have kids and I'm doing anything, I'm going to bring them along all the time. I love it. So it just, it, it took me a while to convince Scotty that RV life. To, to <laughs> RV life was a great life. Right? You know, it, it worked out pretty. It's it's been working out pretty well so far. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, we when I did junior nationals a year of one, um, it, my dad we slept in in the back of a '56 Chevy. Like you know that we didn't. The hotels were all like my dad doesn't organize anything. He had <laughs> all the b- hotels were booked and we're like hey dad, there's no hotel rooms. Like we're just gonna sleep in the car. Yeah. I was like, okay, let's sleep in the car, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> so I was like, whenever I grow up, I'm going to have something better than a car to sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> got an RV. I got an RV it's here, literally right? one step up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I guess a van would be one step, and then an RV yeah. is like the second yeah. step up. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I just know how much I learned from being on the road. And, and I, I, I lived in people's homes and couches and you know since I was like 15. You know, and I think we still do it now. And then whenever we had the kids and we were staying at friends' houses and we we're like, man, we can't, we can't have our snotty kids like drool all over their dog and all over their, their couches and stuff. So we, why don't we just, why don't we get our own place, you know, and then the kids can make a mess. Um, and it was just much, so much better for us. And they're like, no, we can't do that. And he's like, I want to be put, I want to be in a place. I'm like, let's just try it. Let's just yeah. try it. If you don't like it, you know, That's we can always do go it back. for a year. Yeah. You know, let's try just try it. it. Well, four years later, we're still living in that damn bus. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm truly fascinated in how people prioritize their lives. Like if you find out that something's meaningful to you and providing value, yeah. Yeah. then then how do you situate your life to mm-hmm. do both things? You want to be a good parent. Yeah. Absolutely. You want the best for your kids. 
but you also want to pursue your passions and, yeah. and live a purposeful life and stuff. So it's, I think it's valuable for people to hear, like, it's not like you guys got a million dollars in the bank and you're like, oh, just no. going, no. you know, I mean, you're just like, Terrible well, this is what money. we want to do and we want to figure it out and we're going to try it. And yeah. you know, it, I, I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to make it happen every day, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and plus we're, we're, we're talking about bikes here, you know, it's like, it's, you know, it's an awesome, it's an awesome sport, right? Uh, just to ride a bike and it's a perfect way to see the world. And, um, just because it's, it's just perfect speed, you know, and you, you don't have, you're walking, it's too slow. You're driving a car, it's too fast. You know, cycling is just amazing. You know, it merges so many different cultures and everybody rides a bike. Everybody knows how to ride a bike. Yeah. I love, yeah. Amen. Preaching, <laughs> preaching on the bikes or death podcast yeah. about bikes. Yeah. Hey, uh, well, I, I didn't intend to talk to you about this, but, um, two episodes ago, as we're sitting here talking, I interviewed Roger Gillis, who's the author of a book called women on the move. Okay. And his book, uh, highlights an area in our history from 1895 to 1902, where women's endurance cycling was at its peak and was also the most well-attended most popular sport in north america at that time they were filling stadiums six days a week they were filling stadiums with like 10 to fifteen thousand people getting paid as professional cyclists back in 1900 (laughs) no idea you didn't know i didn't know either it turns out i'm related i got dotty tattooed on my leg But I'm, I, I was watching a documentary, wow. and they mentioned Dottie Farnsworth, and then this guy, huh. Roger Gillis, wrote a book. And the, the history about women's cycling uh, is is not well known. I mean, you're a women's cyclist. had no idea. Yeah. I've been a lifelong cyclist. I'm related to one of them. I had no idea. That's so uh, cool. Interesting. Um, and I'm so right around book. the area, right around the time whenever that documentary came out, I learned about Dottie and then found out I was related to her. He just happened to release a book and was the first book really highlighting this, this rich history. So I talked to him about, you know, what did women's racing look like 120 years ago? Mm -hmm. And then I just got back from Austin. I talked to Jolene Holland. She's uh, a a cat one racer. She was racing for Cota Vida. and now runs uh, ultraviolet racing. Cool. Um, they're based out of Austin. And I, we were having the conversation about, okay, what does women's racing look like now? Yeah. Um, and so I don't know, would you like to shed uh, y'all are in a really unique position because husband and wife, male pro cyclist, female pro cyclist, can you, would you be willing to just share like what, what it looks like? Yeah. Uh, now, um, I think it's super interesting having now been a part of road and also off-road communities. Um, And I think we have some room to grow in road cycling. And the reason that people are really genuinely more interested in gravel and off-road events is because of the community. Hmm. Um, You can go to a road event and it's very segmented. Um, First of all, you have categories and then you have pros and then you have you have uh, all these brackets that you fall into and you're supposed to kind of stick with this group of six to eight people on your team and it's very competitive and it's it's really um it's not an environment where sharing is caring yeah <laughs> um it's very much and this was my experience other people might have a different experience but um from what i experienced it was kind of like you learn it the hard way and you keep it to yourself mm. and in off-road 
that has been the opposite. I've seen so much sharing, so much caring, and just a lot of community. Uh, I think everybody has a similar experience, whether you're racing balls out or whether you're just there for the party, Mm -hmm. you still do the same hundred miles or however long it is. And at the end you share stories or 2,700, whatever. The thing is everybody Mm -hmm. did it. And well, that's one thing a lot of people say is you show up for the Starlet tour divide and you're rubbing shoulders with Lael and Sophion and just regular people hanging out. It's great community. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people go just for the experience of being in the room with these like really elite, uh, athletes. Yeah. Um, yeah, just for that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the women women's cycling has a lot of room to grow. And that's kind of, I've been thinking about, you know, how can I give back in, in this particular area? And it's, it's simply just feeling good for other people's success. Um, for some reason, I like I said, um, there's kind of this underlying tone in women's professional cycling where it's like, I got mine and I'm going to keep it to myself. Mm. Um, because there isn't that mentor system. Um, there are some women who are trying to make a change in that. And I really respect those girls for that because, um, it it is kind of the environment where, um, I don't feel like we're rooting for each other at the end of the day. It is more competitive and I love competing, but at the same time, like whether or not the girl next to me does well is not a reflection on me. You know, I'm there to give it my best and she's there to give it her best. And at the end of the day, it it would be awesome if we could just be a little more inclusive and happy for each other's successes. Yeah. Um, as a person on the periphery, that's what I see in road cycling is very clicky and yeah, not, I mean, freaking whenever I ride down the street and I got my, my, you know, I, I ride my bike packing bike or whatever, With mm-hmm. big mountain bike tires just on road like i don't have a road bike i just you know ride whatever bike i have yeah and uh i try to wait i wave at every cyclist i don't try i do but i mean if a roadie will wave back at me i will like jump up and do a dance on the bike. <laughs> right? it's like, yeah. like once <laughs> a year so- i'll get one to acknowledge that i'm actually you know alive and, and that's funny it's, it's sad it is kind of sad it, God, we're on the same <laughs> but yeah I, I don't have anything against road i mean it's whatever you know no that's how I'm road cycling is I'm, for sure you know i was in we were in california last year training for silk road and man i i took my i took my bike and you i went to this silk group road ride i took my silk road bike like the fastest group ride in la <laughs> and i just LA. ride in the middle of the group and i'm attacking I these think guys you even left your bags on <laughs> i literally left my bags on i was like i need to be weighted down so yeah. i'm attacking these guys and they're just staring at me like who the hell is this guy like what is you know why is he attacking us you know <laughs> so the bike was like 45 pounds and these guys are like taking water bottles out throwing them out in the climbs and stuff and i'm like bring it on come on let's have fun and like like I, that's where I grew up. Like I know most of the guys because, but because I had, you know, like my alien ship with all my bags on it. Like they were like, "Who are you? Yeah. Oh, you, oh, you're that guy." Uh-huh. That's <laughs> so so it, it was awesome. It. Yeah, it is. So yeah, they look, they look at um, people that have bags on their bikes a little different, and they're like try that's to. That's the difference about like you know talking about bike packing is it really the bike and all the gear and stuff kind of becomes an extension of your personality the the type of riding you like to do like you can really just build a bike it's not just like one bike like everybody's riding the same most aerodynamic it's like I mean, you ride anything yeah you know and and make it your own and make yeah. it the adventure machine that yeah. tackle yeah. whatever it is you want to do and and everybody thinks it's cool it's like oh that's your personality that's your bike yeah you know? yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's it's like it's actually completely opposite where 
you don't it's like people are trying not to fit in you know mm-hmm. like you know <laughs> yeah. it's like i don't i don't want my bike to look exactly like that guys right. like yeah. i want i want my my gear and my style to kind of be my own and be a reflection of the riding i like to do and, and i feel like that's maybe celebrated in in the bike packing scene totally. yeah yeah for sure it definitely is um, but you know it's funny because also uh you know i think i think that bridge is going to be crossed here soon thanks to the thanks to the morton brothers you know they you know and and all their they're doing and what they've done with uh, their films and stuff. Um, I think Who is this? The, uh, Lachlan, Lachlan and, and Gus Morton. Yeah. Oh, Lachlan Morton. Yeah. Thereabouts yeah. are yes. here and thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, the Energy First team. Exactly. And I know that, yeah, I saw a video like Energy First is like going to, their team is going to be focused on all disciplines like Dirty Kanza, bikepacking, yeah. right. road, and like going out and having fun you probably know more about it than i do no i mean i mean i know as much as you do like honestly yeah yeah same video we watched it yeah. well that i mean that is an interesting segue i i we have been seeing more like real disciplined p- pro racers go into bike packing or gravel racing and more of these like endurance sports and obviously uh we've touched on a little bit y'all are one of them so what Let's start there. Like, what put adventure cycling and bike packing uh, on your radar and, and wanting to pursue that? <laughs> so uh, again, we uh, we go back. I always go back to this. I tell people it's like it's all Scotty's fault, right? Mm-hmm. Scotty got pregnant. We're still here. Yeah, you know, I like can tell. Scotty wants to. <laughs> Scotty wants to do off road stuff. Now we're here. You yeah. know, <laughs> she's uh, she was uh, oh she's been God. you know pursuing something, and um, I don't know what that is yet, but it's it's pretty amazing. Um, so we're here because of Scotty, you know, you don't know what she's pursuing. Is that because you don't know yet, Scotty? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, some sort of adventure, like I'm going to hurt myself. Um, (laughs) something like that. Something like, yeah, I don't know. Okay. So Scotty, you had (laughs) the idea. It was my initiative for sure. I'll I'll take, yeah. Is it, is it the opposite? I mean, is it like normally like, Hey, I'm the guy and I'm going to, I've, we're going to do this. Oh, I'm not touching that on this podcast. <laughs> You're on the wrong show, Ernie. <laughs> because everybody, everybody thinks that it's this my idea. It's not Dr. Phil. Like, everyone uh, thinks it's... Dude, I'm like, no, I, it's I not. I honestly don't think that way. Okay. I mean, I... You know, my, no, touching my it. wife touching is also uh, is also like into uh, adventures and traveling and outdoors, and we go and do this kind of stuff together. Whose so. idea was it at first, though? Yours or hers? Um, the bike packing side was definitely mine, okay. but I mean, she, you know, she was definitely a willing per- participant. It's not like I had yeah. to drag her along. Um, so I could have equally, like if she like heard about it first and kind of got engaged with it. Um, but I don't, I mean, part of a neat thing is like just being a couple, like how many yeah. couples mm-hmm. are doing the same stuff together? You know, a lot of times it's, I don't know. I feel like if you go to a, you know, when I went to the bike packing summit, I didn't see any like husband and wives or boyfriend girlfriends. There it was like men and women, but they're all just Got there it. solo. Yeah. So I mean, how many examples do I even have to go off of? Yeah. So well, am I crazy? Who's crazy? <laughs> Who's the crazy one? I'm scared. <laughs> Whoever had the idea to get into <laughs> adventure sure cycling is, that, is that, the she's the crazy no, one. No, welcome. I told welcome you. to the new reality. This <laughs> yeah. is where you were meant to be. Right. <laughs> So, it feels that way, so I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> I definitely uh, twisted his arm to do this. Um, in 2018, I mentioned that was my last year competing on the road. Yeah. And the reason for that was I, I really got to this place where I wasn't really experiencing a lot of growth, and I didn't think that the work that I was putting in was getting me to the level that 
I wanted to be at. And so she was experiencing growth time wise, but she wasn't getting better placing. Yeah. Right. Everybody else was getting stronger, but she was getting better. Okay. She just wasn't seeing the results that she wanted to see. Yeah. But I got she really was getting stronger. Fixated yeah. on performance and um, put a lot of pressure on myself. And it really wasn't coming from anyone else. Like I had great coaches, great teams, very supportive environments, obviously great spouse and family system. But um, it was something I'd done to myself where it just became this performance loop. And um, when I didn't perform well, I got in a funk and it would just follow me into training at home. And I really wasn't enjoying it like I was when I first started. And so I decided to take a step back and um, kind of put my bike on the shelf for a couple of months and reevaluate. And I realized that I really had lost like why I was doing it in the first place. And I know that sounds cliche and you've probably heard that before, but um, somewhere along the way, it just, the focus had become all about podiums and wattage and less about, hey, this is a catalyst for change in my life. And so when I took that step back, the good thing is it allowed me to see everything that the bike had done for me and how there was this kind of void between, okay, the the bike has pushed me in all these unique ways that I could not have even imagined my life without. And now I'm this different person. Why don't I focus on that? Why don't I focus on what I've learned through the process? Um, And I kind of adjusted my mentality to become a learner again instead of a performer. And that was when I really um, was able to receive a lot of the benefits of riding a bike and take a lot more joy out of the experience. And Um, but I was still competitive (laughs) on the inside. Like I still had this like, um, real drive to do something. Competition is different over an extended period. Like a thousand miles is different, is a different level of competition. We didn't know that at the time though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, We did not know that at the time. (laughs) So in this whole like six month period where I stepped off the road and was just self-searching and really kind of like digging through, what is it that I what is it that I want to generate for myself? Not what can cycling give me? It's like, well, what can I give cycling? And I have this rich history on the road and we'd built a coaching business and we were working with all these athletes. And I'm like, what do I want to be able to tell our athletes the bike really is about? And at the end of the day, if you're going to ride a bike, it's not about the podiums and it's not about your PRs. And there's this underlying tone of like i said the bike is a catalyst for change in your in your personal life in your real life you know it gives you the ability to handle tough stuff and i think um i was scrolling through instagram you know dreaming about all the places that i'd like to ride and that's when i first learned about silk road Hmm. was last i guess the first year it went off was 2018 And so the first edition had just happened and I actually saw a picture of who I now know is Jenny Tuff. She was competing there. Mm -hmm. And um, she was someone that I really admired just because of her outdoor experience. She's tough. She's (laughs) tough. And the the things that she does are just amazing to me. And and I told Ernie, like, I I really want to go try something that's that hard, that takes me that far outside of my comfort zone. Because I, think I was shaking in my shoes. I was like, are you sure you want to do this? At this point, had she convinced you to do it as well? Or? She did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She we, did. We applied. And when we applied, we got really scared because they asked really real questions. It about took us two days survival. to fill out the application. Wow. Because we were Googling every single question that was on that. Oh, my gosh. To make sure you could be self-supported. Yeah. Yeah. We had never no done idea. anything yeah. like that. 
You know, my wow. idea of self-supported was like, is there a follow car that can fix my flat? Yeah, exactly. You know? we didn't even, yeah, we didn't have we didn't have bikes for off-road at all. We had oh. only road bikes. Wow. So, uh, wow, yeah, it this was is crazy. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was nuts. I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? I mean, it looks pretty. I mean, go ahead and sign up. They're not going to choose us. I mean, it's just it'd be. So yeah. I think you know um, the only reason they picked us to go to that event. Was to see if we would fail. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> I, was like, I, doubt that. <laughs> I was like, let's see these suckers, how long they're going to last. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to be very long, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Just for people listening, why don't you tell what the Silk Road Mountain Bike Race is? Yeah, the Silk Road Mountain Race is in Kyrgyzstan, and it's a self-supported 1,000-mile journey through remote, remote mountain regions. And we're talking high elevation, major storm systems. Um, we didn't know any of this at the time, though. You know... Yeah. huge chunks of mileage where there's literally nothing to resupply so you know you're filtering water you're carrying your food and everything you need to fix your bike if you you know need to and so you're just out there racing as fast as you can to a finish line that's days away and um we had no idea what that would be like before we went and um all all of 2019 um <laughs> I decided I would race some crits. That would be a great way to prepare for bikepacking. That was our training. <laughs> that was our training for Silk Road. So, <laughs> we met we met Jay at uh, Land Run. Jay um, Peterberry. He Jay Peterberry. So we met Jay. And, uh, I was like a big fangirl. He was. She's like, like, hey, that's him. Jay Peterberry. He's like, I know, that's Jay Peterberry. It's like the only guy with that goatee. Goatee, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like Jay, hey, you can never Jay, shave that thing. We're doing Silk Road two this year, and he was like, sweet. What are you guys doing to get ready? And I was like, well, I'm racing some crits. <laughs> and he, you know, he, we're just getting our gear. He together. looked at us and he scratched his head. He's like, cool, and he was like, what did after? you just say? Like, are you, are you guys gonna? You, what's your system like? And I was like, what does that mean? Like, what's stereo system? system? <laughs> like, what is the system? <laughs> we don't know this. So then, so we left Lenron after talking to him, mm. and he and he was like, and I'm like, Scotty, just email the guy and ask him if you'll like help us out. You know, like we'll pay him. Like we want to go. We we want to go. He won the Silk Road the year before, mm. um, and we want to go learn from the master, right? This yeah. guy's been. We looked him up. He's like been gravel, you know, adventure Everyone racing on this since he was a he little is, boy when he was born. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, he agreed to to help us out. Um, super awesome dude, um, and we went over to Idaho, yep, and met up with him. You know, so uh, we trained he, with Jay for four days and. He basically weeded out half of what we had brought. He said, nope, you won't need that. Nope, you don't he want that He asked us, do you want to be competitive or do you want to tour? And at the time, Scott was like, I want to be competitive. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> I'm with her. <laughs> Again. <laughs> He's like, well, if you want to race, you need to get a different bag to sleep in because yours is like plush and it's too heavy. And so he just went through all of the gear with us and helped us make some better choices based on what we wanted to do when we went. And so that was really awesome. Um, talked to us a lot about how we had to kind of turn off our roadie minds and forget about killing ourselves up climbs and pace better and just lots of really useful conversations. And um, we left that feeling at least a little more confident, but still really. just completely in the dark. 
And um, <laughs> Silk really. Road was an amazing experience. And we walked out of that. Was that y'all's like, first, first bike packing event? Dude, it was like the first time we'd ever camped outside. No way. I'm not yeah, kidding. Yeah, was the first time. We Jay, were, was it Jay we camped outside? And then that was our second time. Yeah. Silk Road. We In just, your whole lives. Yep. We just weren't. We, neither we're not us, out there people. Like, we no, were not. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's. That is so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I mean, you were overcoming now. so much, yeah. you know, because I came into bikepacking with a, a, a pretty good history in outdoors and camping. That's what I told her. You know, like I, you know, like I had that That's part licked her. and I was a cyclist and I'm like, oh, oh, you just put it on your bike and you go. Okay. That's yeah, fine. That I makes sense. That. But y'all were like fish out of a water totally. just completely. We we wow. thought that we would be doing a lot more pedaling than we actually did. Yeah, <laughs> there were, yeah, there was a time where I was at Silk Road. We were just I was walking my bike for like the third hour, and I was like, I just want to pedal my bicycle. And I started oh, pedal my yeah. bike, and I started no crying. Likes pushing their bike. Nobody likes pushing their bikes, but Nelson does a really good job on making you not push your bike for hours on end. <laughs> yeah, it it was really a, an amazing experience i think we both cried at least once out there yeah um, the i cried within the first five hours you i really cried. did <laughs> what happened so like we start and of course like roadies we take off we're off the front we're like second or second or third you know and we were probably about five minutes in front of some people and it starts raining you know <laughs> so we stopped just like in the like we just stop on the side of the road and everybody comes by because we're trying to put we're all wet and we're trying to put rain gear on which is it's, it's so hard to put you know clothes on when you're wet so it took us forever and then we see people pass us we get to the top of this little climb and there's a little village we come around the corner with like half our stuff on because we can't get it on because it's wet hmm. uh and everybody's underneath like you know uh, all the people all who the knew pros what they were doing waited until they found like a place to get out of the rain hmm. and um yeah. we we're like oh that was yeah, a good that's idea. That's a that. great idea. Yeah. You know, we see Leal. She goes under the bridge. Yeah, and she's Leal like, finds an overpass. Yeah, she's like, and, you, know, she's you know, so quick and like streamlined, pro. You know, streamlined. She puts on mm. her stuff in 30 seconds and takes off. And <laughs> yeah. we're just still like, we're still trying, trying to, get to get our, our leg, leg gear on. on. <laughs> she's got a dial, man. She her does. She really pants, does. The, the down custom yes. pants oh that gosh. she had designed. She is so amazing. She sleep in them. Yes. Oh, man. She's next level. So we're wet and we take off and then. We're, we go from like 3,000 feet and we're headed up to 14,000. Oh, right? shit. Uh, so we get about halfway up the mountain and it turns from like rain to, you know, sleet a little bit. Um, and it's blowing harder. You get the further up you go the mountain, like you, you get that wind and it's just, you know, it starts making you yeah. really freaking cold. Right. So my hands start just like, sh like freezing. And I'm like, Scotty, I, I need to stop because. Like, I'm so cold. My hands are going to fall off. Like, I've never experienced it in my entire life. Right? And she's like, no, we can't stop. And I'm like, come on, please, let's stop. <laughs> so we come around this bend. And uh, there's, this, there's this couple that was there touring. Um, and they had, I mean, they were set up. They had like an eight-person tent. They had this huge fire going. And she had tea. She was brewing tea. Oh, my gosh. So we come around the corner. Like a trail angel. Yeah. Yes. But guess what happens? <laughs> The devil lady, <laughs> she was like, you can't stop. You can't stop. <laughs> you cannot stop. And I was like, Ernie, if we stop here, we are going to get so cold. If we just keep moving, we'll stay. I'm like, somewhere. I'm already stopped. I'm cold. Yeah. She's like, you got to keep on going. So, I mean, she made me keep, I mean, we kept on going. 
but the craziest thing happened to me. So it went from like freezing cold hands to uh, to warm hands after that. After thir- it took thirty minutes for my body to just yeah. I mean, it was like okay, I give up. You know, you're gonna yeah. you know whatever. So my hands got warm and they never got cold after that, right? Wow. But it was thirty minutes of crying. I literally, I was like, there's tears coming down my eyes. I was like, oh, I can't do frozen this. Tears. Frozen tears. Frozen, exact frozen tears. Yeah. I still know that my my face was still hot, so I was just. <laughs> There was, there was still rain, tears. Yeah. <laughs> no, then we get we get past the, uh, the you know we get past the snow line, and um, we're still just shivering cold. And we're like, this is just strip naked and put some dry clothes on, right? So we, we do that, and then things change after that. It, we were still cold, but it wasn't that bad. You know, we 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 got dry. But if we knew Survival 101, you probably would have done that. Wouldn't have freaked out as much. But we just had no clue. Yeah. Well, there's only one way to learn. <laughs> exactly. Just like, we got to throw in the deep end for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, and every single climb on that race and every crazy experience we had was always, you know, backed up by this incredible just scenery, you know, that I think that we, we fell in love with. You know, every time it was so difficult, like it was just you had this breathtaking views, you know, top of the mountain or just like in the valley or, you know, it was just you just felt so much better afterwards. When you all approached that event, was it your intention to ride it together? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't for sure. Like for me, yes. Like I am scared of the dark. I don't like to be alone. Like I don't. I don't. I'm scared of like. like and for I'm me, of- like I suck at mechanical skills, and he he can fix anything. He's uh-huh. a brilliant bike mechanic, okay. and um, he'll make anything work. And so, like we really. He he's being kind of so you you cuddle him at night and keep yes. the monsters yeah. away and <laughs> during the day he Wipe fixes his the tears. Yes. No, I'm exactly how it works. <laughs> he's he's really tough. He had so y'all really are a good team. Yeah, like, yeah. y'all really we do compliment each People other. People ask well. us all the time, how do you guys not just bitch at each other out there? And when you're in that type of environment, it requires such good teamwork. Yeah. That we get along great when we're racing. It's at home where we bitch we at each bitch other. I, I get that a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Because you're you're relying yeah. on you. You're in that together. Yeah. You're in a tough environment. It's you against the terrain and yeah. the weather and mechanicals. And it's like, why would you be exactly. the person right. that's helping you through that? Right. You know? Yeah. And for me, I love it even more just because I mean, if it if it ever gets really hard. And she starts like complaining. I'm like, "This is your fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> this is your idea. All this. And is when your can fault. you say? When you can't say that at home. No. You cannot say that at home, but you can say it there. Like <laughs> I can say it there, and she's like, "You're right." And I'll be, and I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, I was right." So bike packing is essentially right. just marriage therapy. <laughs> exactly. We, we've thought about that. We're like, you know what? People just need to do this because they will either figure out that they are not meant for each other, or they'll figure out that they are. Yeah. Like one way or the other. You'll get your answer. You're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> and and nobody, I mean, we're all in a hurry. We want to find out. It's like, I don't want to fight away five years. I want to know now. Yeah, exactly. Go do something Let's stressful. Let's go bikepacking. Yeah. Right. Go do something that challenges each other. Okay, so how did that, it was your first event. Yeah. I mean, Kyrgyzstan's crazy. So, I mean, this is, it's yeah. crazy that y'all did this from road to, I mean, it is truly impressive and crazy, and I love it. What what was the end result? How did that first foray into bikepacking go? Yeah. Uh, um well go you, you you explain it much better than i do well we the cool thing is we were able to win the pairs division um for the whole race which we didn't really have any expectations going in we oh just, yes you did i <laughs> yes you I, did <laughs> i wanted to be competitive for sure but you know what's funny is like we got home and we analyzed 
She's are. so competitive. So we're like, we're coming down the final stretch. Final stretch meaning like 12 hours away. Uh, <laughs> and um, she's, uh, she's like, I'm like, hey, we were both hurting really bad going down. We were going the, the, down this descent. And um, it was like the hardest descent of the whole race was in the last 60 miles. Mm. Um, and I looked back and I said, Hey, there's this guy coming. She's like, we got to go now. <laughs> so, and we were both like, we could barely, barely move. And, you know, luckily we got to the road to where we're really good at specialists on the road. And we took off, we started team time trialing on the road and the guy couldn't catch us anymore. Right. I was about to ask, is that allowed? Is whenever you're in pairs, a team yeah. in pairs? Yes. I, I, in, yeah. yeah. In pairs, you can work together, you know, okay. yeah, but you yeah, each other with exactly. Yep. You're, yep. you're in it together. Yes. It's just only y'all. Yep. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, so you finished Silk Road. Yeah. And, and what was the, I, I, I'm guessing there might be different answers from both of y'all, but <laughs> you walk away from that event feeling what? It's her story, my story, and reality. Okay. That's yeah. exactly how it Three works. Stories. So we'll no. share your story and then I'll tell you what reality is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Perfect. I, I love literally that. am laying in, in bed after finishing the event and we're completely worked. Like, so, so I've never felt so tired in my whole life, but I was at the same time just buzzing with this excitement for what we'd just been able to do. I loved it. And so I tell him like five hours after we finished Silk Road, I'm like, hey, I really want to plan another one. <laughs> He's like, you're out of your mind. Yeah, no, she was. She was out of her mind, you know, for sure. Uh, and then my experience on that same bed that we were laying at when we're just like barely, we can't even move because our bodies are so, so, they're so swollen and she's already thinking about the next thing to do. And I'm like, you know what? It's like the best time I've had with Scotty in the last five years because of where she came from, you know, with, with her, uh, you know, just, feelings about cycling and about her performance to experience something that's so difficult um and then we're sitting there I'm like hey you know what i'm in it too let's do it let's, let's see what's the what, what's next because i think we're gonna grow from this together what you know? what what made that experience so great for you um just the, the the teamwork right like she had her role i had my role she was supporting me like when i first met like she was supporting me in triathlons you know and i was supporting her in coaching and this time she had plenty of knowledge you know of her own that she was sharing with me she was keep making me tougher you know and at the time i was giving her comfort or making her tougher whatever that you know whatever that was that we were experiencing and i just you know i, I loved it you know it's a beautiful I, I, story y'all yeah. both like provided and helped each other and then like you kind of came together you know, yeah. for the, for this event and like mm -hmm. really we're just on, I mean, I guess you're always on the same team, but playing different roles this time. We're not always on the same team, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that's what that's, you know, and that's what, you know, and we were not on the same team, you know, just to go back to that because, you know, she was having such a bad experience with cycling, even though she was doing really well, mm. she didn't think she was. And we would just argue about how I'm like, Hey, you got to just chill out. Chill the fuck out about your career. It's like you're, you're you're doing really good. She's like, no, I'm not. I suck and this and that. Oh, and I was no. like, you know, in her in their road cycling yeah. career. So, yeah, well, yeah. then you got to give it up, you know. And said, well, I can't give it up. I'm I'm good. <laughs> well, <laughs> then you got to stop doing that to yourself. Then, so we were having such a we were just bumping heads so much that when she found this, I was like, I was so scared for it. I was like, because it's it's gonna be make or break. It's either and or you know. And, and I knew from what she was experiencing that what she needed to do in road cycling was to get tough, right? And the reason why she started this whole adventure, you know, self-exploring with bikepacking was to 
to learn to get tough. Oh. Right. So she had that expectation. Oh man. Right? I, mean, I can't imagine being able to ride silk road and then put that in perspective to a hundred mile road race and be like, <laughs> Oh man, I, I'll go back out there and kick that in the teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, and it just took, so it took for us to come together finally and her realize, you know what, like you've been helping for the longest time. And then she realized that when we were out in, at the Silk Road and then I was like, and, and me like absorbing that and like looking at that and saying, yeah, she does believe in me after all, you know, and just being out there. I, you know, it's just, I tell her that I don't want to do any more of these by myself ever again. And she's like, I want to do them by myself. I want to learn something more about myself. I'm like, I'm not going to do it myself. <laughs> so it, it just, it just, uh, you know, I, I fell, you know, uh, secretly in love with it because of what it's teaching us. Yeah. You know, uh, as individuals and, you know, and, and as a couple. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, you were talking about the bicycle as being a vehicle for change. Mm-hmm. Is that the, <clears throat> and I think it, it's just uh, magnified in bikepacking where you literally can survive the elements and the terrain and you're very capable of like, there is no vehicle that's going to come and get you. Right. And, um, so when you, when you have that in your back pocket, just as a human and you, and you start to tap into what you're truly capable of and realize how much of a badass you are, <laughs> it, it, it just helps you in your life. Just be more yeah. confident and, and put things in perspective and, yeah. and everything like, and, and the cool thing is like, you don't have to, that, that race was so hard that even if you weren't racing it all out, it was still really freaking hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't have to be competitive in terms of like trying to be coming from the roadside. Yeah. Like you don't have to be find a race to compete to make it that hard. It's just hard in itself yeah. Yeah. from the experience. Well, but, I mean, that's one thing that's great about bikepacking. You, you have the tour divide where you have 60 year olds that are out there doing it in 30 and days. And you have, yeah, yeah I mean, that, it, it's, be, it's, it's so wonderful. Yeah, like everyone's yeah. riding that Everybody same course. is on the same course doing yeah. the same thing and they're all struggling probably equally, yep. but at different levels. And um, it's it's more of a measuring stick against yourself than it is exactly you know that that's peloton what I really or, gravitate towards yeah. now yeah so let's take that into was the next event Arkansas mm-hmm. yeah well, we we came back from Silk Road and it was about you know this past summer 2019 was the first edition of the Arkansas High Country race yeah. and our friend Chuck Campbell um, spent you know, a couple of years just making this massive route that goes all through the Western side of the state. And, you know, we'd ridden some of these gravel roads, but, um, he really connected some of the, just the soul, I don't like the soul roads of Arkansas, yeah. these roads that are kind of forgotten to cars and you're just out there. And, uh, we were like, man, why don't we showcase that a little bit? We're from here we love gravel and it'd be a great place for us to just train and go through the ropes of what we're trying to learn, which yeah. is bike. I mean, it's in your bike backyard. Yeah. Yeah. So might as well. Take yeah. Exactly. Of it. I just want to interject real quick yeah. um, for anybody listening. Uh, Chuck Campbell, I interviewed him for the podcast. I believe nice. that was episode nine. Okay. Um, so, you know, if anyone wants to go back and kind of and hear from the guy who created the route. Yeah. It's a great, great story of how, 
Yeah, it's it's a it's actually a really cool story about how the route came to be. Oh, um, we don't even know that story. Oh, yeah. you don't? Well, you <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're gonna have to do that. Yes, <laughs> definitely have to do. Yeah, that. I mean, it's just a, it's a great story about the American Cycling Association and also the state of Arkansas mm-hmm. uh, believing and and wanting to help. Just help. Like, yes, we believe in this. Let's make it happen. We're gonna support you. Mm-hmm. What do you need? Let's do it. You know. Cool. And yeah. and to piggyback on that. Um, the reason I'm here in Arkansas is because uh, the tourism board is, has invited me out to come and preview the route. So cool. um, today's Thursday? Yeah. Thursday? Yeah. So tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., we roll out, and uh, Brandon Pack has a group, and we're going to go Sweet. Uh, preview awesome. about 150 miles of the, of the route. Uh, 15,000 feet of elevation and 150 miles. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess... Uh, Do you know what part of the course you're going to be doing? I'm going to go from Fayetteville to White Rock. Yeah. White, okay. Yeah, yeah. White Rock. Yeah. And then, then basically the second leg is a 50 miles that connects over to part of the route over here. So okay. we're riding like 100 miles on the route, I think. And then okay. 50 miles will be a connector that's not actually on the route. Got it. Give me a good idea for the terrain. Yeah, they've. I think they've made, um, like if you can buy or, or get the... Um, the course in different segments. So you got the southern loop, you got the northern loop, and then you got, you know, this other little loop that's like yeah. off yeah, to the I left. Yeah, I think there's four, four mini yeah. loops gotcha. and then yeah. one major right. thousand thirty-eight miles or whatever yeah. The, yeah. Is, yep. the, is the uh, is the main Arkansas High Country route. Right. So I guess while I'd like to hear y'all's experience with that route. Yeah. And then also. Uh, what I, I'm I'm looking for tips. What can I expect? I'm yeah. a flatlander at 278 feet <laughs> elevation. <laughs> No, you'll be fine. If you have the right gears, you're going to be fine. I'm going to be good. Yeah, you'll be good. I'm, I'm right. It's all about gearing for sure. Plus, you got to find, there has to be a little soul searching there, right? It has to be a little hard somewhere. I, yeah, I look forward to it. <laughs> I, I, man, I, you do. I mean, I, part of it is figuring out where your limits are, you know, breaking through those and then just keep going. And that's one thing that I've personally learned from bikepacking is, now I know that I have these like mental blocks and once I break the, through those, mm-hmm. then it's just a series of like, oh, I thought I couldn't do that. Now I know I can and yeah. it just keeps going. So yeah. whenever I hear about people doing things, I don't think to myself, oh man, there's no way I could do that. That's crazy. I, I, my mindset is now like, oh, I, I could see a path to get to yeah. where they were or yeah. are or whatever. One yeah. Of well, the reason why, I'm sorry, Scotty. Uh, okay. The reason why I say like, like, uh, pers- like, bike packing is because uh during silk road there was this one segment of the course that we were on the chinese border and it was just like it was the flattest road of the whole event right and paved and paved (laughs) and we loved it scott and i loved it everyone else hated it yeah (laughs) every other bike packer they hated that portion we're like we're home (laughs) we're finally we can ride forever we don't have to stop pedaling. Really you're thinking we're gonna leave these suckers in the dust. <laughs> Time to make up yeah, some we, ground. We made, we, we made up a lot. Of, we made up a lot, of, a yeah, lot of time. Like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna show these guys something real quick. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's why you're gonna be fine. You know, I think a pedaling on a flat road without any rest is a lot harder than than climbing up a mountain. Yeah. You know, because you once you get to the top, you get to rest when you go downhill. And then there's that beautiful downhill. Exactly. Area. You know, when you're on the flat road and, and it's you, windy, forget about it. There, you can't yeah. stop pedaling, or you're gonna fall over. So <laughs> tell me about that. I, I am eager to hear about y'all's experience on the high country route. How did it compare to Silk Road? Yeah. Well, the cool thing was, um, and 
<laughs> we went back and looked at Silk Road, and what we, like Ernie said, there's our, my story, his story, and then there's reality. Oh, right. We didn't and we yeah. thought that we had, you know, killed it and whatnot, but we really didn't. Like, we, <laughs> we looked back and checked out some of our overnight stop times, mm. and man, there was one night where we were stopped for 11 hours. Oh, we were like, what? We thought yeah. we'd stop you for like... You checked into the La Quinta Inn. <laughs> Almost. It was. You know what that place was? It was like, it was a horse stall with a bunch of poop that was keeping us warm. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was La Quinta. Yeah. But there yeah. were several nights where our perception, we were so tired that we thought we were stopped for just... Three hours. Three, five hours. hours at the most. And then you go back and you look at it and you're like, damn, we were there... Half a day. Yeah, yeah our dot really watchers were like, hey, are these guys alive? Sure <laughs> we were stopped so long. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> but Everybody has this moon. We're still stopped. Oh, those damn dot watchers. <laughs> so I, like, I was showing Ernie and I were looking at it together, and we were like, man, we could do so much better. And that's the cool thing is e- even if you're not competing, there's just always a place to get better, and that's what I love about cycling. Mm. So when we were looking at the high country route, we were like, wow, this is our backyard. We really would love to um, just tackle this and, and practice some of these strategies that we want to do to be better at bikepacking racing. And yeah, so you got to practice. So by looking practice. at it, you know, when you look at an event, you like a year out, you plan for it to like a month. <laughs> That's how we look at it. It was only a <laughs> month before. We're like, hey, let's do that. Call Chuck Campbell tomorrow. <laughs> we're going to do it in a month. I'm like. No, we're not. She's like, yes, we a are. A month after Silk Road? No, it was two, it three. It was two months. Two, two months. Two months, two months after. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. mean, that's still not a lot of recovery. We figured that yeah, out. Yeah, we figured yeah. that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. Another you know, learning <laughs> thing. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, it does take a long time to recover from those. And, um, but anyway, we, we got the course and everything, and we were kind of – our goal was, hey, let's, let's try and deprive ourselves of sleep this time. Like, really – only. We're home. We can call Uber. You that's can't. a thing, man. Yeah. That's, such a, that's I, t- I tell people that like you can like go hard if you know you have someone you can call. Yeah. Like you can really exactly. do whatever. I mean, as and long as you got that, get we're out. We're not of in Kyrgyzstan, you know. Yeah. We're in Arkansas. We, yeah, everybody we speak speaks English, <laughs> and we're going to be okay. And so, of all the places to train and try these strategies, this is a great place to do it. You know, it's a challenging course, and but we're still we have certain comforts here that we don't have when we go to foreign countries. And so, um, Southern food. And so, yeah, we have biscuits. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, but, uh, we went out to do the high country and we were, we were both just like constantly looking at each other. Like what the hell? Like we didn't even know that some of these climbs existed in Arkansas and you know, this is our home state and it was hard. It was, yeah, it was just as much climbing as Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, like the elevation gain is the same as the Silk Road Mountain Race. You just do it in smaller chunks, which yeah. is funny because it almost seemed harder because you never get in a rhythm. You're just mm. grinding up. Uh, the climbs are steeper here. So the gradient is maybe 13 to 15%. And you've got your 45-pound bicycle, and mm. you are just creeping. It takes you an hour to get to the top and 10 seconds to get to the bottom. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That was long enough. <laughs> and then you just start over again. <laughs> And it, it was pretty wacky. Um, uh, we were feeling pretty good about ourselves on day one, but we realized like we'd done the easiest part on yeah. day one. We so. did. We looked at the profile. Did we're y'all like, go oh. counterclockwise or clockwise? We went clockwise. Clockwise. Okay. Yeah. And we That's one neat thing about the event is you can race it 
either direction. Yeah, that is crazy. Like it's, it's the writer's choice. I've never heard mm-hmm. that. that yeah, that is either. crazy. I've yeah. never heard that I'm before. Like, oh, interesting. So you could like look at the wind, look at the weather. Yeah, you know, kind of plan it out mm-hmm. a little bit and figure out what your strategy is going to be. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think the way that I think it's going to start in Fayetteville this year or something like that. Fayetteville, or, yeah. yeah. So the first part of the race from last year, if you went clockwise, mm-hmm. you know, it's the hardest part. But if you, that would be, that would mean that it's the last part if you were to start in Fayetteville. And right. it's the hardest part of the race. The what part around White Rock? Uh, no, bef- before that. Yeah, the whole section the from whole, the Oklahoma like, border up yeah. to Fayetteville is it probably is the so toughest hard. section. Wow. Yeah, well, actually from, from, our, from Little Rock, Actually, from when we hit Hot Springs to Fa- to Fayetteville is really difficult. What makes it hard? Just like the Massive pitchy climbs. climbs. Yeah. <laughs> and, yes. And it's not, some of those don't have smooth roads. You know, he's yeah. followed a couple of ridge lines that are definitely not kept up in terms of road quality. Uh-huh. And so you're dealing with chunky gravel that's just slow. You yeah. can't bomb the descents. So Maybe we just got lucky and got all the chunk of gravel when we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it depends on when the maintenance exactly. crew went yeah. out last. That's another fun thing about gravel is you never, <laughs> you never really know. Yeah. yeah, a bridge could be gone. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, and actually, there was a bridge gone when we went right before Fayetteville. There was a bridge gone. Really? Yeah. yeah and we really had a, we, did we had to cross well, the Well, the rain in Arkansas uh, yep. right before you did it was, uh, I believe, some record-setting. Yeah. 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 It was cold, which it won't be in June. I mean, everybody will have different challenges doing it in June than what we For had sure. in November. Yeah. And then the other thing, yeah, it's uh, just November when it's cold. You know, when we were in up in Kerg, the uh, it was it's just dry cold, right? And when you're down in, in the south, you know, it's like humid cold, right? When you're just wet all the time. Uh, so from our experience, we uh, when we were in Kyrgyzstan, we we would put. You know, our clothes, they told us that to do this, and it worked well in Kyrgyzstan because <laughs> <laughs> that's all we knew. You, you put your wet clothes in between, you know, your you know your body and your sleeping bag, and it dries out. Yeah. We tried to do that here. It didn't work. Like, we were just – Our we sleeping bag just wet. got wet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we're like, that's not working. That's the same in, in, college, in Texas where I am. Yeah, like, you know it, you just, is. It's just wet all yeah. the time. You yeah. hang out to dry. dry. Yeah. I, I've yeah. got to the point where I started sleeping in it. It just doesn't matter because then you don't have to put on wet clothes in the morning. That's worse. That's, that's, so, that's, that's the worst. I, I would rather just sleep in it. Yeah. <laughs> at least it's warm for a little bit. The dirty truth of bikepacking. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is. You know, it's, yeah, because, uh, it's funny. When we first started doing this, we're like, so how many, we asked Jay, he's like, how many shorts do you take? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I honestly <laughs> thought he was going to say like one a day. Yeah. thought that people packed new shorts yeah. like that's kind I'm of sorry a, I'm laughing it's kind I, of I've a, been there too I remember oh when I found God, out I'm like wait y'all are sleeping in the same clothes I right? was on an event or yeah. a, a ride what group ride a uh, bikepacking trip and like they were just sleeping in their clothes and I had brought I extra and I'm like oh Okay. Yeah. yeah, you don't. You <laughs> right? don't. If you bring I mean, extra, you're not cool. It's a standing rule among road cyclists. <laughs> well, you gotta carry it, man. You gotta you carry it. Yeah. Climbs and a thousand yeah. miles, and it's like a pound. You're like, no. Yeah. But still, like you do a three-hour hard training ride when you're a roadie, and you get out of those shorts immediately. Yeah. And here I am, like realizing that I'm going to be in the same pair of chamois for days on end. It's gross. And it, I, yeah, I had a moment. Yeah. yeah, a moment, moment. Yeah, it's, it's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's just but enough about that. Yeah. How, so, how was the route overall? 
Rudd is beautiful. It's really incredible. Um, you know, they call it the natural state for a reason, and mm-hmm. it's, it's so natural. It's it, you know, it just yeah, it, it took my breath away. Honestly, you know, I I, I had a you know, there was a place in my heart for the state. Now after doing that, I mean, there's some amazing backcountry roads that people need to go check out for sure. Yeah. You know, because it just it opens you out, you know, your eyes to it to different times. You know, and that that's the beauty of uh, bike packing. Yeah. yeah, I I think it's funny for people to hear about Arkansas being on the map for cycling. They've been. Uh, in the bikepacking community, really developing kind of a, a name for themselves as far as great infrastructure and now gravel and bikepacking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all because the the state is just bought in and they realize the benefit of it. But uh, the natural beauty is what I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, is, yeah. is it, the natural beauty and the climbing. That's I'm kind of nervous the climbing, about the yeah. climbing. It's, it's a <laughs> hidden... I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but yeah. if I'm I'm sitting here with two ex-professional road <laughs> cyclists and y'all are telling me how hard the climbing is, and I'm just like some dude that drinks beer and rides bikes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, I'm like, I love it. I love it. I'll tell you what, though. I'm going very lean on this. Uh, they've got it set up where we're staying in a cabin at night. Oh, sweet. You know? That's and, awesome. And so, I mean, it's a really primitive cabin, but we have a place to stay. So yeah. don't need to carry a tent. That's and then there's food along the way. Yeah. So I'm not taking any food. I'm not taking a stove. I'm not taking a tent. I'm taking oh, wow. a sleeping bag and clothes and two liters of water. Yeah. That's all and, I'm taking. And whiskey. Oh, and I do have a flask of whiskey. Perfect. 100%. <laughs> Can't leave home without it. There, there are priorities, and yeah, that definitely. one is the highest priority. <laughs> I don't need the shorts. I need more whiskey. Yeah, right? I don't need those. That's exactly right. You make choices in life. That's right. You have to. <laughs> but now if I drink gonna... the whiskey, I'll forget about my shorts. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Yeah, you got to have that whiskey, man. <laughs> Good stuff. So how hard is the climbing? Like, what oh, am man. I in for? Okay. Regular guy rides bikes from Texas. Beer from Texas. Ooh. Um, I guess I want to get an idea, and then I'm going to do it, and then I'm recording a podcast with Brandon right after and Chuck after we yeah. get done. I'll, do you I'll actually like, climb White Rock? Yes, yes, they have to. Okay. Yes, they have to. I know you get to that do. top of the, yeah. and then plus, and we're staying so, at White, you know, White Rock. When you the think first you're night, done, the cabin is at White Rock. I think that's one of the hardest climbs on the course. Yeah, and then when you think you're done, you're not. To get to the cabin, like that's the hardest part. Yeah, it just goes on and on. Yeah, and um, you're coming from Fayetteville, though, right? Yeah, Fayetteville. Ooh, it's, it not, be, it's not. It's uh, not the kind of. The I, thing, it's supposed to be harder, I think. Coming, yeah, coming from Fayetteville. Yeah, it, yeah. I think it's it it's like we did. It's like that one uh, event we did. That, yeah, it's hard either way. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. hard either way. It's, it, it's going to be hard. <laughs> but if you but if you have the gears, you're going to be fine. You know, you just take your time. I have a thirty-two forty-four. Thirty-two forty-four. Ooh, uh, yeah, we did. We had a thirty forty-two. Yeah, similar. yeah. So Either way, fun. you're going to be spending like forty RPMs, just grinding. Yeah, it's yeah. just one of those climbs. It it's not something you'll have to walk up, but it it is gets deeper at the top. Just a slog. <laughs> yeah, that is my goal: is to not walk. That, yeah. you know, like no yeah. self-respecting cyclist wants to walk next to <laughs> right? their bike, right? So uh, yeah. if I can get through 150 miles, 15,000 feet and no walking, yeah. I will be so happy yeah. uh, with, with it. So <laughs> what uh, what was the end result for that? It was an event. It was a... So yeah, yeah. we just kind of did a... We tried to do just a pair. Like a since, since they didn't have a, a pair's like uh, 
timer, we kind of did a pairs record, we called it, um, to push ourselves and just to put and a, you let Chuck, I mean, who do you call? You're like, hey, Chuck, I just yeah. want to let you know we're going to go out and, yeah. and we're going to give we it did. give it hell. Um, we're going to start this time. And you yep. do the spot tracker. That's exactly what yeah. we did. Okay. Yeah, we set it up with track leaders and they let you run what they call an individual time trial. Yeah, yeah. And so um, they already had the course routed and they knew where we were going to be and that way people could follow along as we as we killed ourselves <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what was the end result of yeah we were um we did the course in five days 18 hours and change I yeah think it was and um we'd really wanted to hit that five day mark around there because we knew Oop. that would really push our limits um but yeah it's the current fastest record that we know of was six oh um, six oh six days eight hours something like that and was the solo record the solo record yeah, yeah. the solo record that was set the first actual race mm-hmm. I don't remember the guy's name y'all oh uh, no sorry but the course was a little different as well right I think because of the all the uh, rain they changed they changed the course uh, it was massive flooding last summer yeah. And Chuck had to reroute a couple of sections of the course last year. Yeah. So when we when people were watching us, we were coming back into Little Rock, and um, we were our phones were blowing up. You guys are off course. You guys yeah. Are off course. Yeah. We did the yeah. actual like course, mm-hmm. um, and then the guys took a detour uh, that went a little bit more towards the east, and okay. we we can we came back west. And then dropped down along the the river valley and came back in that way. So you beat the record by like eight hours or something? Something like that, maybe less. Oh no, eight hours. Yeah, it's twenty around twenty. There. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is you're, fun. You're the it's fun to have a, a new event like this. We got the roadies coming in, yeah, <laughs> set in some times, and then the bike packers are gonna be like. Man, we can't let these roadies show us <laughs> <Right>? what's up. <laughs> no, it's funny because Jay Jay called us when we said, "Hey, great job, guys!" But you know that can be ran faster. We're like, we know Jay. They're <laughs> <Yeah. Okay>. Jay. <laughs> okay, I just stopped recording. And then, okay, all right, we're good. Yeah. They say that a pairs can never beat an individual rider on an event. Right? Really? That's that's the the word on the street from all the okay. solo all the riders. Experienced all the solo fast riders, like, there's no way that a pairs can win can beat a solo. solo. So we're gonna we're we're. Okay. Well, I was about to ask, what is next for y'all? Does that so, foreshadow? <laughs> it it kind of does. So that I think gives we're, you the carrot that you've been looking yeah, for. Yeah, I, I, it really does, right? So uh, it gives us the carrot to kind of push ourselves a little harder to uh, to uh, to see if we can beat like the individual riders, which so which I think it, they're amazing, and it 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 takes twice as long. But I think if we're efficient enough and you become a good team, that we might have a chance to get better. Yeah. Beating <laughs> a this is interesting. Rider. So. Two potty breaks, two exactly. uh, two of everything. Yeah. You two know. breakdowns and, and, you know, of gear. Two flats. I mean, every, yeah. it just like it multiplies everything. Yeah. yeah. So now are y'all focused on just learning to be as efficient and work together? Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's I funny. I was telling him uh, I, I felt fitter last summer when we went to Silk Road. You know, it's I haven't been able to put as many hours on the bike this winter. We're doing Atlas Mountain Race next. Um, and so... You know, my fitness is, it's decent, but it's not as good as it was last year. But I feel like what I do have now is at least some prior knowledge of what to expect. And, um, the mental side of this sport is, is really where it's at. (laughs) And so I feel better prepared in that department. Uh, so are y'all going to be doing Arkansas high country race again? 
We're definitely going to be in the neighborhood. We're trying <laughs> yeah. to. Um, we're trying to figure out what. Yeah, what's next? And yeah. That, that's definitely one thing. The other, we were thinking of going to Ireland, and there's another event in Ireland, right? Scotland. That, Scotland. But Scotland. um, you know, it's our home. It's our home event, and so we're definitely looking into being in in some form or fashion a part of that event this summer. Yeah. Where is the support coming from for y'all to be able to do these events? Um, no, I mean, I, honestly, that right now, like for the gear, a Trek has really hooked us up. You know, I uh, hear the store, and, you know, Kelly is uh, the store manager for Little Rock, and he's hooked us up with a bike. You know, we had, we didn't have the correct bike for Silk Road, um, and then this next event in Morocco, Atlas Mountains, is going to be really similar terrain. So, you know, we, we were able to outfit our bikes with a, you know, with the help of the Trek Little Rock. And, uh, and then financially we just did, uh, we took some pictures of our, our Silk Road and then the other events that we've done and just put a little piece together and had a, a community, you know, a community fundraiser. fundraiser for us. Yeah. 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 We, um, we've committed to each other and to our community to give back in terms of, Hey, we're going to go do this thing. And that is for us. And we're selfish a little bit in that pursuit because we want to grow ourselves, mm-hmm. but the end result is to bring that home and share it with people. Like I want to go push myself to my limits so that I can come and tell people what that feels like and, and show them, Hey, you're so much more capable than you think you are. What's your push going to be this year and how can we help you? And so, um, we also, we own a coaching business and traditionally we've worked with mostly road cyclists because that's our background and our knowledge base. But it's funny because this year we've been approached by people that are doing gravel Huh. And people that are wanting to bike pack. And I tell people on the front end, like, we really don't know what we're doing yet. Uh, yeah, we're <laughs> but, posers. But, um, we're just posers trying to make it work. <laughs> yeah. Are we all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's our bread and butter is our coaching group. And um, and why don't you plug that so people can reach out to you? Yeah, it's to. called Laborn Coaching. And Spell that? L-E-B-O-R-N-E. And it's a combination of our two last names. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, we we're really big on sharing what we've learned with others. I mean, that's Mm. the really rewarding part, especially Ernie. I think, um, he didn't really spend much time on it, but he's a cancer survivor and, um, what he's been able to achieve after having gone through something like that is really amazing. And so, um, he doesn't talk about it very much, but I think it's a pretty cool story. You want to talk about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, uh, so I was racing. I'm sure there's some people that could probably benefit from hearing about, yeah. you know, it's, it's just funny, uh, the perspective when you go through some life changing experience like that, um, you know, at the time not knowing it, I think just changed the, my perspective in life. And I think that's why I became more of a helper than, uh, you know, helping people out instead of searching for a pursuit for me for my cycling career, because, like I got a second chance to help people out, mm. you know, and I, maybe that's how I saw it. I no, I wasn't selfish enough, blah, blah, blah. Um, but when you, when you go to, through something like that, I think everything else in life gets easier and it's really similar to bikepacking. When you experience, when you're out in the cold and you're just, you're struggling out there. Um, it just, it makes it seem, you know, just like that. Like you don't know what's going to happen out there. Right. You don't know what's going to happen when you're, when you have cancer, you know, yeah. it's like you kind of just left out to whatever, you know, the higher powers are to help you out. So, um, so, you know, I just, it just, again, I take it to heart and what kind of cancer did you have? Testicular. I had testicular cancer. So you and Lance, huh? Yeah. Me and Lance. It's funny. Um, we were doing this one race in New York city. Um, and he had just gotten back from the tour. He won his like 800 Twitter friends or something like that. 
and um <laughs> and then we were up there he was first pulling and i was in second and our team director rec, our team director was hey there goes a pair of balls right there <laughs> 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 so that's pretty funny that's good <laughs> it's nice that you're around to be able to laugh at that yeah exactly right <laughs> we're i mean i don't even know how to ask this question but like were you were you in a situation where your life was that like you didn't know if you you know uh so tell them where it's when i so what so it spread yeah it spread to my abdomen to my lungs uh you know and then i had about you know six months of chemotherapy and you know they were able to shrink it down to where they only removed two lymph nodes near my spine right um the uh which how old were you 21 so i had just so i i i went uh, that was my best year ever. Uh, it's when I won Mexican Time Trial Nationals. I was doing really well in the States. And then Mercury picked me up that year. And it, it's funny because my whole dream since I was a kid, and sometimes I would pray for it. It was like, all I want to do in my life is to go to Europe, race one day, and mm. I can die the next day. Yeah. And that's pretty much almost what happened, right? So I, I you know, I raced the under 25 Tour de France, right, which is the, one of the better races in the world. Um, and I got to do two stages and then I crashed the third stage. I tore my ACL. My knee was like so swollen. So I flew back to the States. Luckily I crashed. Um, and oh, then that's I, when they found it. That's when they found it. Oh man, that's crazy. So, mm-hmm. so be careful what you wish for, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> it does really happen. And the thing I believe that helped me out was, so I found out I had cancer, uh, and I did not tell my team director because I took it very lightly. I was like, you know what? I have a swollen testicle. They're going to go in there. They're going to remove it. There hasn't spread, you know, and like, I'll be back. So I'll be back training by training camp in, you know, three months. Mm-hmm. Right. That was like, I was, that was my mindset. You know, I'm going to be back on my bike in three months. And, uh, I didn't want to tell my team director because he was. I, I was afraid that he was going to kick me off the team. Mm. So my my friend doctor was like, "Hey Ernie, this is really bad. Like you have to go to the like the best way for you to get treatment is for you to go to the ER room and tell them that your testicle is swollen and that it hurts. That's all you have to do, and they're going to take care of you." So at the time, I went to uh, USC Medical in California, uh, Southern California, and I did exactly what he told me. And I went in there, and I had it was really cool because I got. Lance Armstrong's colleagues, he was my doctor, mm-hmm. right? So they went back and forth on how they treated Lance. <laughs> so that's pretty much how they treated me. Wow, you know? Um So it was, you know, really lucky that my friend doctor told me to go to that hospital to just sit, to say what I had to say, and then, you know, I was able to get help by, yeah. you know, pretty much. They're like, well, we fixed Lance and he seems like he's doing all right. So why don't we do that again? (laughs) Exactly. And it was pretty, at the time I was sponsored by Oakley as well. And, you know, Stephanie, the, 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 you know, one of the ladies that sponsored Lance as well, she's, she had him call me and he spoke to me. He's like, Hey man, you're going to be fine, dude. Like, don't worry about it. It's all going to be good. So because of that, I was so bummed out that I, one crash from like one of the best races in the world you know, for a development rider. And then, uh, two that like, like my career might be over. Mm-hmm. Right. But I was like, there's no way like I can come back. So just staying really positive, you know, and knowing that I was going to be back on the scene, 
uh, I think that's what really helped me. You know, yeah. I never once thought that I wouldn't be back on my bike. Do you think that there's something there to your mental? There has to be. Yeah. Yeah. There it's like, I just be. believe that yeah. I can finish this race or I can, exactly. I'm going to be back on the bike or whatever. Yeah. Just like putting your mind in the right place. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no other choice, right? Yeah. You know, and that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. There's no other choice. And I think that's, that's how like we take, like I personally take on these adventure races, you mm-hmm. know, like you get into the hardest race in the world and. Like there's no, we have to make it home. Yeah. That's you know? a good way to do it. It's just, so, you take that quit out of the equation. Yeah. It's not there. Yeah. It's not, you know, possible. that's not part of the options that are available <laughs> yeah. to us. And you really need to do that. You got to take yeah. it off the table. Uh, uh, I mean, I haven't done a thousand miles of Silk Road, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, 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 I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be Silk Road. It could be a, the thing it is it like, be once life, you understand you know? that yeah. principle, I think you apply it just about anywhere, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, you know, that, that, like that, that's what helped me get to get through it, yeah. you know, and, you know, and I try to pass that along. It's, it's a little bit harder sometimes. And, you know, I never really talk about being sick because they're like, well, and that means you're like superhuman. It's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you know, it's just how you think about it. Right. It's yeah. Like, so well, it's, I mean, yeah, it's great to have yeah, examples for anything in life. Really. I mean, no matter what, everybody can relate to struggles. It's interesting how, you both come into like you, you, your struggle was your kids. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> that sounds terrible. But it's it's the true. <laughs> Got to be honest here. <laughs> I mean, it, carrying two humans in your body for nine months yes. yeah. fucks with your body. I know it and mess with, with yeah, the, it the biology, the chemistry, yeah. the physical. It was I mean, hard. It, it's, it's not just like, oh, I have these two bundles of joy. No, my body. They're no joy. In, in yeah. Like, what's that? Uh, incubated yeah. or whatever, you know. And I wasn't one of those moms who was just like, Oh, I love being pregnant. I really <laughs> felt limited by it. Um, she was she didn't she never wanted to have kids. Like I am yeah. not ever going to have kids. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, the higher power was like, Yes you are, here's two. Yeah. That's all right. I mean yeah. kids are one of those things is like Yeah, I, I there was a point in my life where I didn't want kids either, but yeah. Once they're here, you're like, oh man, kids I know. Are, they're they're actually really great. They are they're pretty hard, awesome. They're hard work and they take time and everything. But yeah. Uh, it's, amazing. I mean, it, to circle back to what we were saying earlier about how y'all made it work, I think that's a great example for parents out there. I mean, it's something that I personally have like, I've sought out other couples who have done that mm-hmm. and, and tried to like glean from their example and be like, okay, there are people out there who have done it. I met your kids earlier. They seem somewhat normal. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen them in the past. I only Just met him for like 10 seconds. Right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, so if people want to follow along with y'all's journey yeah. and keep up yeah. with this, I mean, y'all are very much new to bike packing and really yeah, still are. figuring it out and like yeah. on a very journey much yourself. So, <laughs> so much. I, I think it'd be really neat for people to follow along ex pro racers into bike packers and yeah. And I'm curious if y'all are going to take down a solo race <laughs> oh, I know, right? Just threw down the gauntlet. Not too much pressure. I know. I know. I'm throwing that out there right now. They're coming <laughs> you, after you so I was hoping you can like take that out of the... <laughs> no, no, no. That's going <laughs> <No. in. laughs> That was Jay's fault. He's like, that can't ever happen. I was like, oh, damn it, Jay. That's don't what say you never. Mean, you never. Don't you say always... ever, Jay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> we all we all use those people, those naysayers, as fuel for our fires yeah. to go out there and be like, "Oh, no one can do it." Okay, well, we're just <laughs> yeah. gonna sit quietly in the background. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so, where can people follow along if they just want to keep up? Uh, we talked about your coaching business, where they can find y'all. Yeah. But what if they just want to follow your personal journey? Yeah. Um, 
Ernie's not the best at social media, at but no. um, I try and keep up with mine, and it's Scotty Lechuga on Instagram. That's mostly where I do stuff, Facebook as well. But um, I'm not, yeah. Yeah. She posts for me, so that's Perfect. the truth be out. <laughs> <laughs> Ernie's a consummate, whatever. Instagram, whatever, yeah, post yeah. it. Race, yeah, I'll go do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll try it. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you guys so yeah, thank much you for so coming much. on. Thank Y'all you. have a fascinating story on so many levels. Uh, and I hope that we get to talk again soon because I think that it'll be fun to to kind of follow up, to mm-hmm. hear what you learned through this process. Cool. Yeah. I'd love to. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. All right, everybody. Thank you all for tuning in. One thing I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show was that Scotty and Ernie Lechuga were actually participants in the Atlas Mountain race uh, that just, I guess, we just got a winner, uh, Sophie, on last night, probably about 11.30 p.m. here in America. Uh, He knocked out the entire Atlas route in less than four days. I think it was, yeah, I don't remember the exact time. Um, but big shout out to Sofian for laying it down, not sleeping. You're a total animal. And I hope we need to chat soon. Uh, I need to catch up with him and, and see what he's got going on and see if he's coming back for the Tour Divide or what what's going to happen. But yeah, Scotty and Ernie were also participants, uh, but they had to scratch. It's a huge bummer. I know they are disappointed. I was hoping that when I released this episode, I could say, hey, go watch their dot and, you know, follow along on their journey. Um, But unfortunately, they had to scratch a ton of mechanicals, which happens. But I know that they will be back. I know that they'll learn from this experience and I'm looking forward to uh, just watching their story unfold as they enter this new world of bikepacking and uh, switching over from being road cyclists. So I'm definitely going to be following their story as, uh, as they continue onward. All right. So I did want to interject some personal thoughts on the Arkansas high country race after riding three days on it and recording two podcasts and listening to them back everybody is telling you to bring your gears and i am just going to reiterate that because i didn't listen i should have listened to scotty and ernie i should have listened to brandon bring your damn gears if you're going to do this route it is steep um and other than that i think you'll be fine i'm i really want to go back uh with proper gearing and give it another shot like um I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bitter. You know, I want to go back and kick it in the teeth, but we'll have to save that for another day. All right. That is my words of wisdom for anybody who is looking to participate in this year's Arkansas high country race. I hope you do. I hope to see you there at the start line, June 4th, Fayetteville, Arkansas, go to their Facebook page at Arkansas high country race to register. There's 24 spots left and that's it. Go ride your damn bike. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes.